the mist factor going on there. All right, that's pretty cool. All right, so I know it's a little bit misty out here tonight, a little bit cold. I can promise you guys my sermon will not go over 45 minutes, all right? So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Relax. Relax. <laughs> you thought. You thought, right? I think in the whole time that I've been here, there's only been like one time that I actually did a full-blown like 45-minute message, so... I probably won't do that to you guys, so don't worry about it. Um, but anyways, that being said, we're getting to the Word of God tonight. Um, man, it's such a privilege that we get every Wednesday to get to dive into God's Word. Right now we're in this series, Plot Twist, looking at Matthew chapter 26, 27, and 28. What happened in the greatest plot twist in all of human history, the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the central point in all of history that everything points forward to and back to that our salvation points back to so today uh we're going to talk about why was jesus killed why was jesus killed you know there's a lot of false opinions about jesus out there in fact there's a lot of false opinions that sound very nice and they sound very good but if you really dig deep and find out what people mean when they say I believe in Jesus too. If you really dig deep sometimes and find out who is their Jesus they're talking about, the Jesus that they believe in is a lie. The Apostle Paul warns us uh, in one of his epistles that there would be fake Jesuses that people would believe in, false gospels that people would believe in. Islam teaches that Jesus is a good prophet. They say, peace be upon him. Jesus is a good prophet, but they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, they say Jesus never claimed to be the divine Son of God. Modern Judaism Judaism rejects Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah and the Son of God. Hindus teach that Jesus was a holy man, a wise teacher. Some Hindus believe that Jesus can just be one of their gods, one God among many gods. Some believe Jesus never existed and is just a story about how to live a good life. Buddhists view Jesus as being a compassionate, good teacher. There's another religion I wanted to mention here, and that is fake American Christianity. And this is what I mean by that. Fake American Christianity views Jesus as uh, being this person that can kind of help me on my plan, on my path for my life. Jesus isn't somebody that changes my life. Jesus is somebody that I use to change my life for my own benefit, for whatever I want to do with my life. Jesus doesn't alter my course. But that's not who Jesus really is. Fake American Christianity rejects Jesus as Lord because it doesn't bow the knee to Jesus, but it also rejects Jesus as Savior because they don't believe they really have sin in their life. And there's so much this fake American Christianity, this fake Jesus belief going around that I wanted to mention that as well. In our series Plot Twist, last week, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And then he was taken and he was betrayed by Judas. Today we're going to talk about why Jesus was killed. And from the perspective of the people who were trying to kill Jesus at the time, they weren't thinking... Okay, we know that Jesus is the Messiah, so we're going to kill him, and that's going to be the sacrifice for all of our sins, and that's why Jesus is going to be killed. They weren't thinking that from their perspective. 
Now we know in hindsight over all the course of human history, and the Bible is very clear that Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins, but that's not why Jesus was killed from the point of view of the people that wanted to kill him. So what was their point of view? Jesus was killed not because of who other people said he was, but because of who Jesus himself said he was. Now we just talked about some different religions that say who they think Jesus is to them, but who did Jesus say, this is who I am myself? Matthew chapter 26, verse 57 through 58. Right after Jesus is uh, betrayed, he is captured, all the disciples deserted him and fled. The people who arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of religious law and the elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. I want you to imagine this scene. The God who created the entire earth and everything in it, the God who created back in Leviticus the whole sacrificial system about how people could be made right with Him, how a punishment and death had to be paid, for their sins to be made right with Him that really was pointing forward to Jesus. This God is now captured and He has walked through the courtyards of the very temple that people come to to worship Him. And He's brought through these temple courtyards to the high priest. The high priest was the top dog of all the top dogs. He really was. He was the top of everything. I mean, they had thousands of teachers and scribes and Pharisees and and elders and priests and Sadducees. They had all these different things that people taught other people religion, but the high priest is the top of the top. And they bring Jesus to the high priest because of the things that he is teaching and saying about himself. So here in this room are the most powerful religious leaders of the day. The high priest, his job was to represent the people of Israel to God. He would have to go through a certain ritual to be, to be cleansed, to go and offer the sacrifice for the people in the Holy of Holies. His job was to represent the people to God. And though all these religious people are in this room, all these priests and the high priest is in this room. There's really only one person in this room that is spotless enough, that is holy enough to represent people to God. And that is the one who's being accused. It's Jesus. At the same time, we see another scene unfolding, and that is Peter. All the disciples desert and fled, and then we see Peter is following along at a distance. Because Peter is still scared. Peter doesn't want to get captured himself. So he's kind of hiding and he's kind of in the outer courts, this sort of outer room where he could probably hear and see maybe what's going on right now at this trial as the high priest and everyone is accusing Jesus. Let's see what they say. Matthew 26, verse 59. It says, Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. But even though they found many who agreed to give false witnesses, they could not use anyone's testimony. 
Finally, two men came forward who declared, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. You know, we are constantly confronted with false testimony about Jesus. Constantly. Even things that aren't talking about Jesus or God directly, it could even be, it could be anything. It could even be a video about sports on your TikTok feed. Everything in some way, shape, or form makes a claim on what is right or wrong, and it could all be traced back to God who created all of it. There are so many things that give false testimony about Jesus, what He teaches. Jesus is the most controversial character in human history because He claimed to be the Messiah, to be the only way to heaven. And just a side note, real quick. If you don't know your Bible, if you don't know the real teachings of Jesus, when you hear one of the, some of these false teachings of Jesus, it could be easy for you to fall into that trap and believe these false teachings because you don't know the real teachings of what Jesus really said about Himself. So that's why it's so important to know your Bible. Because how are you going to tell when something's attacking your faith? I want to show this story about uh, this girl had some sort of nerve condition where she couldn't really feel pain in her hands. And so she, there's the cookies in, in the oven, and their parents, of course, were saying, okay, don't touch the cookies in the oven or whatever, but she just she went and she took them out of the oven, burning hot, and she just set it down on the counter, and she felt no pain. And you guys might think, oh, that sounds like a really cool thing to have. But the problem is, the problem is, it makes her body, it's harder for her body to heal itself because her body doesn't hear those signals like, oh, there's pain here. There's something wrong here. And so the thing that seemed to work to her, to her advantage didn't because she wasn't sensitive. Her body wasn't sensitive enough to know that something was wrong. If you are studying the Word of God, when you hear false teaching, you will be spiritually sensitive enough to know something is wrong here. Maybe you can't just pinpoint it right off the top of your head. Maybe you have to go back to the Word. But if you know the Word enough, you can know when something is wrong. So we need to be sensitive to all the false teachings that we're confronted with all the time. Because when someone turns away from true faith in Christ... It's not just the snap of a finger. It's not just the flip of a light. It's usually a slow progression where they go, they're walking away from God. They're walking away from spending time in His Word, time in His presence. And because they left that and they're being, their mind is being consumed by this other stuff on TikTok, by this other stuff on Instagram, by this other stuff on the news, by this other stuff on TV, whatever you want to call it, the other stuff the friends are saying, their mind is being filled with that stuff and it's not being filled with the Word of God. They drift and they fall away from their faith. And I don't want that to happen to any of you guys. Okay? We don't want that to happen to any of you guys. So be in the Word. Alright, that was a side note. So, here's what was happening here in this courtroom. There's all this false testimony against Jesus. And in their laws, they had to have two or more witnesses to agree to bring a true testimony against Jesus. Two people had to agree. But they couldn't find anyone that could agree with each other. And then finally, they found two people that agreed with each other that said, Jesus said that He would tear down the temple 
and then in three days he would raise it back up. Now the Bible does say that. Jesus said that. But then Jesus, it says right after that that Jesus was talking about the temple of his body. Because we know Jesus willingly died as a sacrifice on the cross. That's what we talked about yet last week. Guarding the Gethsemane, he submitted to the will of the Father to go to the cross. He said, this temple will be destroyed and three days later I will raise it up again. So then the, the high priest says to Jesus, what do you have to say about this? What do you have to say this accusation that came against you? And it says Jesus remained silent. Why was Jesus silent? 600 years before this took place, a prophet named Isaiah predicted that this would happen. Isaiah 53, verse 7. It says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. Jesus was silent before the false accusations. He was silent before the false accusations. He was silent to the people who misinterpreted what he said, to the people who never believed in what he said, to the people who were bringing false witnesses against him. But he spoke up when they brought a true accusation. If you've been zoning out this whole time, this is the time to wake up. This is the reason why Jesus was killed. Okay? This is why Jesus is the most controversial character in human history. They turned to Jesus, Matthew 26, 63. Jesus was silent. This is what it says. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, you have said it. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. They blatantly asked Him, are you the Christ, the Son of God? What did Jesus say about Himself? He said, you have said it. In Mark's Gospel, He says, I am. This is who I am. I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the way of salvation. And then He says something that we might think is kind of weird. He says, then you'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. What is He talking about? In Daniel chapter 7, that's what He's pointing towards. Daniel 7, verse uh, 13 through 14 Daniel says, this is again hundreds of years before Christ, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into His presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey Him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Now this is interesting here. Jesus is connecting things. Here we see a connection between the phrase Messiah, Son of God, and Son of Man. And Jesus is saying all these three things are me. They're me. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7 that Daniel was talking about. 
the high priest at this point is pretty livid. He attributes all of this to himself. Jesus says, I'm the one with the authority to rule and to judge. Right now, they're the ones with the authority. They're the ones judging Jesus. But Jesus says, I'm really the one in charge here, buddy. And in the future, you're going to see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. He said, you don't want to be going against me right now. Because Jesus was humble. We know that he humbled himself. We talked about that last week. He humbled himself, took the form of a servant. That's what he's doing here. But Jesus is pointing forward to a future where he ain't going to mess around no more. Right? The Son of Man is coming on the clouds of heaven. He is the judge. He is the one with power and authority. We see that later on in Matthew 28. But I don't want to jump too far ahead. Let's go on to Matthew 26, 65-68. This is how they react. Okay, Jesus just said, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am the Son of Man. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy. Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted. He deserves to die. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who hit you that time? Here's the main point. Jesus was killed for claiming to be the Son of God. Jesus was killed for claiming to be the Son of God. They said blasphemy. That word blasphemy means that you are misusing the name of God. What Jesus is doing here by claiming that He is the Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the one with sovereignty over all the nations, the one with authority over everything in the earth, Jesus is equating himself with God. Jesus is elevating himself. He's saying, this is who I am. Okay? This is who I am. And how do they react? They said, we need to kill him because he said this. Now, in Jewish law, they would kill someone if they were a false prophet. So they did not believe what Jesus was saying. They said, he deserves to die. C.S. Lewis once said this about Jesus. This is really good stuff. He said, you have to either believe that Jesus was a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. Now, here's what that means, okay? Let me explain that to you guys really quick. So, if I came up here and I said, you guys, I, Jared, am the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one the Bible has been pointing towards. And then, I was doing miracles. And I, and I say, you guys that are constantly talking in the back, I make you stop talking. And the miracle happens. Right? It's a miracle. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. And I perform miracles and I heal people. And, and, I, and I do all these amazing things. You guys might think, okay, maybe he's the Messiah. How would you know if I'm not the Messiah? The way you would know is you go to what the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets prophesied about the Messiah. Jared, were you born in Bethlehem? Were you? Wait, no. Were you? I was born in a place that started with a B, though, in Bakersfield. Yeah. Not quite the same. Right? So there's all these prophecies in Scripture that pointed forward to the Messiah. So that's how we know that Jesus was the Messiah. It wasn't just because Jesus said He was the Messiah. It's because of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Scriptures that testified of Jesus coming. That's how we know He's the Messiah. Okay? Now here's the deal. If I say that to you guys, though, you would probably, first of all, not believe me. I wouldn't. 
So, but you might think I'm crazy though, if I really believe that. So I could either be somebody who's intentionally trying to deceive you, maybe trying to get money from you, trying to get worship from you or whatever. That would make me a liar. I could be someone who is crazy and I genuinely believe that about myself and I'm just delusional. There's a lot of crazy people out there in this world that say I'm the Messiah. That still happens today. It happened back in Jesus' time. It still happens today. Or I'm telling the truth and you would have to bow to me as Lord. This is how we approach Christ. Okay? How do we approach Jesus? Who is Jesus? Because if Jesus is not who he said he was, he is either a liar that intentionally deceived everybody, he is crazy, or he is Lord. You cannot look at Jesus and what he said about himself and think that he was just a good teacher or a good prophet like Islam tells you to think. You cannot look at Jesus and what he says about himself and think that he's just some holy man or example of how to good, live a good life like Hinduism teaches. You can't just look at Jesus as this moral example like fake Christianity teaches. You have to look at Jesus and say, you are a straight up liar, you are a crazy person, or you are the Lord of my life. Jesus doesn't give you any other option. And the priests, when they react to this, they don't think Jesus is crazy. If he was just crazy, they would just dismiss him like, oh, that's just a person that's not in his right mind. Maybe he's demon-possessed. I don't know. He's crazy. But they thought that he was lying because they knew that he wasn't crazy. But they rejected him as Lord. Let's move on to Matthew 26, 69 to 75. Meanwhile, we go back to Peter. Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, You are one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man, and immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. Here's the deal. The priest did not believe in who Jesus was, but Peter did, and he denied it. Peter denied Jesus out of fear. And I think that these two things, the the counsel that you see with the priests and then Peter denying Christ, I think they happen in order for a reason. Because I want to talk about Peter for just a second here. And then we're going to land the plane. Peter messed up right here. He messed up. He denied Christ. He denied his Lord and Savior. But later we know, later in his life, he repented. And there was a time where he did not deny Christ. And he died a brutal death crucified upside down. Peter was crucified, hung on a cross, not right side up like Jesus, but upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same way that my Lord did. So Peter was crucified upside down because he saw the resurrected Christ. He repented and really uh, did not deny Jesus as his Lord. 
What did the priest ask Jesus in verse 63? Just earlier, the priests say, we adjure you, we, we ask you a demand in the name of the living God. Let's see this. The living God, demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, that means Christ, Messiah, the Son of God. That's what the priest asked him. Now go back in time in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 6, 13 through 16. All these people have all these different opinions of Jesus back then, just like they do today. And Jesus was talking with His disciples about all these opinions, and He asked, but who do you say that I am? And then this is what Peter says. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. This is who people say you are, Jesus. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the what? The Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is the thing that Jesus is getting killed for. They asked, I, I ask you in the name of the living God, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? You were the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's why Jesus was killed. And Jesus doesn't leave us any other room to believe anything else about Him. Jesus died because He knew who He was. He never strayed away from that truth. And because of who Jesus was, He was the perfect sacrifice for your sins. And He rose from the grave, defeating sin and death for you. So you trust in Him for your salvation. You bow your knee to Him as Lord and you are saved. The Jesus of Mormonism, the brother of Lucifer, a created being, he cannot save you. The Jesus of the Jehovah Witnesses, who they believe is Michael the Archangel, the first created being, he cannot save you. The Jesus of Islam, the good prophet whose teachings were lost in translation and time, he cannot save you. The Jesus of Hinduism, the wise moral teacher, He cannot save you. The Jesus of fake American Christianity, the Jesus that is here to affirm all of your sin and make you rich and blessed without ever truly knowing God by repentance and faith, He cannot save you. Only the real Jesus can save you. And He is the Jesus who claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And tonight he asks you, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? That will determine your eternal destiny. And if you bow your knee to him as Lord, as the Son of God, that is a decision that you will never regret. You will instantly go from death to life, from darkness to light, from shame to glory. And your life will never be the same. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the cross tonight. We thank You that You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that is why You were killed ultimately for us, because that is 